Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. We couldn't do that ourselves. But he's done it for us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise God. Some of you have uh, noticed and mentioned that I've missed a couple of Sundays here. I was still in church. <laughs> what I'm doing is I've got this little side gig. And uh, as part of, and I assigned this to myself, so it's, it's anyhow. Uh, I am visiting the various churches in the district. Now, this is not an inspection tour. I am not going to see if they're doing everything right. or it no, It's nothing like that. I just want to visit these churches in their services to get a better understanding of what is going on in the district, how things are working. Um, we're told in the scriptures that he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, the same as a shame and a, a folly for him. And so I'm trying to, to gather information uh, because I'll have to make decisions. And if I know what's going on and, and who people are and how they're working and where they're coming from, well, that, that helps. A uh, week before last, we went to May's Landing, Brother and Sister Gettings. Wonderful service there. Presence of the Lord was with them. Um, they're in the process of remodeling their church, and, uh, but it's, what they have done is beautiful, and the Spirit of the Lord was there. Last week, we were in Atlantic City with Brother and Sister Sagusti. Uh, we actually were in the coffee shop, <laughs> because that's where their church is. Brother and Sister Sagusti run a coffee shop during the week. Well, it's also open on Sunday. But at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, while there's a lady there who, who waits on any customers that may come in, but you have this, this group of people that come in, and in the coffee shop, they have church. And the Spirit of the Lord was there as well. In fact, there was a lady who walked in. I don't know all of the details of how she got there. I did not find uh, who, who invited her, if she was invited. I, I have none of that information. So, And it doesn't matter because she walked in. We began the service, and within five minutes, she was speaking in tongues for the first time. She had just been filled with the Holy Ghost. Do I have to tell you the Spirit of the Lord was in that coffee shop? 
he announced his presence. <laughs> Praise God. So if I disappear from here sometime, it will mean two things. One, that I was not scheduled for a, a, a vital part of the services here and, and all of our uh, before and after. I'm generally back in, in time to handle the finance, but uh, it means that I have, I, I was, while the, the rest of the team, this is a beautiful thing about the team, you're still taking care of, the, the, the pastorate is still here, and one of us can be gone, doing something else, something else engaged in the work of the Lord. So uh, I've, I will, when times when I am not already scheduled for something major here, then I will probably be sneaking off, not to miss church, but to be in a different congregation. So thank you for allowing that. And uh, here we go. Let me invite you to Matthew chapter 1. You can tell this is going to be exciting. Already know it. In fact, as I was... Uh, dealing with with trying to find out what the will of the Lord might be for this service. I spent quite some time saying, are you sure? Really? Because this may be in, in some ways one of the strangest messages I have ever been asked to present. And that would be going some. But in Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. There's one of those names that's well known among us, more than some of the others that I've already mentioned. And Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram, or Jehoram. And Jehoram was the father of Uzziah, another fairly familiar name. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Okay, that, I recognize that one. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amnon, or Ammon. And Ammon was the father of Josiah. Yeah, that's familiar. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin who is also known as Jeconias, or in Jeremiah 22, he is called Coniah. Uh, and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. We've left the kingly position now, but Zerubbabel was an important person in in the restoration. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. 
Abiad was the father of, of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Anybody ever hear of Azor? Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eliezer, but not the Eliezer that you might be thinking of. Eliezer was the father of Matan, or Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob, not the Old Testament one. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Oh, we're back to names we know, situations. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, you'll notice that there's a list of names, many of them, especially when you're talking about the kings that you are familiar with. Hezekiah, Josiah, Josaphat, David, Solomon. But mixed in here, uh, before and particularly after, are a lot of folks that except for a name on a list, we know absolutely nothing about them. Isn't it interesting how that we can know some people and, and still not know much about them? Be familiar with, be around them for years? Well, I've got something to tell you this morning that uh, you probably didn't know. Can I have the next slide, please? I, I keep it well hidden. <laughs> well, I am a billionaire. Now that is a thousand, it takes a thousand million to be a billion. At this time, I would like to, as a member of Congress would, revise and extend my comments. And for that, I need the next slide. <laughs> I am almost. I have many, many of the marks and assets that would make me a billionaire. <clears throat> let's, let's look at what a billion is. This is the minimum requirement to be a billionaire. If you have one penny less than this, you are not a billionaire. But if you have on one side of the decimal point, you have two zeros. And on the other side of the decimal point, you have nine zeros, placeholders, saying that there is nothing in that category but there's something beyond it. Nine zeros. You have to have 
nine zeros on one side of the decimal point and two zeros on the other side of the decimal point in order to be a billionaire. Here, on the next slide, is how I'm, I got, I got all but one thing to be a billionaire. I've got all the zeros. Don't you? Now, if you go to the book of Luke, chapter 3, you'll find another genealogy of Jesus, and we're, I'm not going to get into all, all the differences there. Uh, but in Luke... He, he way outdoes Mark, Matthew. Matthew, we have several unknowns in the genealogical line. But in Luke, after Solomon, until you get to Joseph, it's unknown after unknown after unknown. Did you even know outside of that one list that David had a son named Nathan? You knew Absalom. You may have known a couple of others, but Nathan? He was an unknown as well. You see, there's something about it that we as human beings like to be connected and we like to feel like that we are of, of importance. We want to be useful. My mother when I was preteen, early teens, I'm, I really don't know all of the situation, but it seems looking back on it that she was probably suffering from clinical depression. I know that there was a time when she would go to either a psychologist or a psychiatrist Again, there, there are many unknowns about that period of time. Uh, I, I do remember her saying such things as, I feel so useless and unnecessary. That's not a healthy statement. We like to feel like we're accomplishing something, that we're doing something somewhere, some, some avenue of our life, someplace. And we would like, if we can, to, to reach back and tie in with the past, with, with you know, you got genealogy and you're climbing your family tree and quite often run into a bunch of nuts. And <clears throat> I, 
I'm not the genealogist of the family. We have a, a couple that are of genealogists in the family. But there is a family story that I do know of the Moss family that we came to this country, five brothers from England. One time when I was in Salt Lake City and, and doing some research in their, in their genealogical records, I, I found a, a, a group of five look-like brothers who had immigrated to the United States in the 1600s. They were born in England. All five of them were born in England. All five of them died and were buried in America. Now, I cannot tie to them directly, but that's the story. They, they fit in with the story that has come through the centuries in my family that, that they came to the colonies together in the 1600s. I'm back. This was one of the colonies. One of the uh, genealogists in the family uh, at uh, some time back gave us some information about uh, the French, a French branch of the family on that side who landed in Jamestown. They were French Huguenots and landed in Jamestown, I believe it was in May of 1700. So, Though I am relatively new in this area, if this is my family, if these genealogists are close to right, my people have been around for a long, long time in America. On the other side of the family, the Cutrell side, my mother's side, there is a story on that side of the family that the Cutrells donated the land in North Carolina where the first Methodist church in the Carolinas was built. Uh, one time when I was in North Carolina, I, was, I tried to discover which was the first church, Methodist church that was built in Carolina. I, I wasn't researcher enough to, to figure that out, but I, I thought it would be neat if that, if there's still a, a church there, it'd be neat to go visit it. That my kinfolks had donated the land for that church to be built. May not be a thing to any of these stories. I do know that my grandpa Cutrell was the tax collector. Yes, I come from a line of publicans. But my grandpa Cutrell was the tax collector, may have been what we'd also call treasurer of Jones County, Texas. And he had his office in the uh, courthouse there. This is, this is the picture that I have of him probably while he was in office. Uh, there's his computer right in front of him. Sometimes I feel like that's about my level of tech. <clears throat> On the other side is my Grandpa Moss. The next slide. 
Uh, he was a farmer. That's the first thing. That that's what goes in the official record. He was also a moonshiner. I remember the time I was talking about my my grandfather being a bootlegger, and my dad got very upset. He said he was not a bootlegger. He was a moonshiner. <laughs> he was the producer. He wasn't a middleman. He was the producer. One of the, one of the stories that I remember, and I, I heard it many times, I never did find out exactly how old my father was, but he would have been uh, late preteen or early teens when he was lookout for the still, his, his father, my grandfather, and my dad's older brother were working the still. And the revenuers, tax collectors, sneaked up on them and raided the backcountry still where my grandfather was was uh, making a, uh, another run of, of uh, his high-powered product. My dad telling about jumping on the mule and riding off with the revenuers shooting at him. My grandfather and my uncle ran away, got away. My dad went home late that night way late that night to find his mother, my grandmother, still sitting up because two revenuers were sitting in the living room with her waiting for them to come back home. The revenuers wanted to know where my father had been. He said, well, I was out looking for some strays. My grandfather and my uncle did not come home for three months. So you see, five brothers came over here from England. I don't know. If you, if you study, you'll find that before the revolution, the colonies were sometimes used with the same purpose that Australia was later. These were not just colonies, they were penal colonies. They got rid of their criminals by sending them to the American colonies. So who knows? My grandfather may have just been carrying on an old family tradition. But you see, all of that is completely irrelevant. Because the years and even the centuries have totally disconnected me from all of those people and their accomplishments or their shortcomings. I read one time of uh, a pathetic little lizard who insisted that he was really a brontosaurus 
on his mother's side. Some of the people in our past may have been great, but we're not them. We've got a bunch of names here of people who were descendants of King David, but they weren't king. They weren't, as far as we know, mighty warriors. They did not rule vast domains. They did not expand the holdings of their nation. As far as we know, as far as we know, they were zeros. Someone in my past, someone in your past may have been great. Or they may have been great in the opposite direction. Not most famous, but most infamous. Not greatest contributor, but greatest detractor of all that was good and right. But that's not, that's not us. I knew a lawyer who had a saying, I heard him say it many, many times, he, he said, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And he was talking about his own family. His father had been a, a laborer, worked with his hands, nothing wrong with that. Please do not take that I am, I am degrading that one little bit. I've, my, my grandfather was officially a farmer. I started out working as an oil field welder. I've done a lot of other things that are, uh, would be classified just as labor. So I'm, I'm not degrading that, but this, this lawyer was talking about his father was, was a laborer, a worker. He, of course, was a lawyer. He had come up to a, what we consider a different level of society, a different strata. But his son, the lawyer's son, didn't care a thing about all of that, and he wanted to work with his hands. Shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. You know, the world is filled with a lot of space fillers, placeholders, just like between Jehoiachin and Joseph. They just were links in the chain. They didn't make, as far as we know, a major contribution. Now, I've, I've mentioned to you that it looks like that my mother suffered from possibly clinical depression. 
I know there, that she did fight depression of, of, of some kind, had to have help for it. But I got a feeling that everybody under the sound of my voice, whether present in this room or listening on the internet somewhere sometime, has had a little round or two with depression. If you don't, I'd like your secret. There are times that no matter what we have accomplished in life, we feel as, as somebody said, seldom and unnecessary. That all that we have accomplished is naught, it's nothing. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, one of the richest men in the world, one of the most powerful kings of his day, someone that we still look to as a paragon of wisdom in government leadership. And he said, emptiness, it's all empty. Everything I've done, it's nothing. There are times when we feel like, unless I'm missing it, unless you've lived a life that is way, way different from mine and everybody that I've talked to about things like this, that there are times when you felt like I'm the zero. I'm the placeholder. Everything I've accomplished is for naught. Now, thankfully, most of us will wake up the next morning and have, have you a snack and a nap, and that'll help a lot of that. But there are times when our blood sugar gets low or we've, we've just had some kind of something happen to us. I told you this was going to be a different message. And we feel like absolutely nothing. We feel like that uh, with all the, sometimes with all the evidence to the contrary, we feel like we're useless. We feel like that everything we've done, you say, Brother Moss, with the list of things you can list of what you've done, how could you ever feel that way? Well, the problem is I feel that way. It's not, a, it's not an intellectual thing. It's not something that we have run a total and come up with this and we find out that it's zero. No, we feel like that. Feelings can be great, but feelings can be deceptive. I'm a billionaire. I've got at least 11 zeros. Two of them on one side of the decimal point, nine of them on the other side. I'm a potential billionaire because there are times when I feel 
that that's all I produced is zero after zero after zero after zero after zero all the way down the line. I fit right in with Eliad. I can shake hands with Abiad. Azor, we can be best buddies. Because we're all zeros. Placeholders. Just being part of that string of zeros. The other night, Arash and I were doing the books. One of the things that we do, of course, is we count the change, count the, count the bills. And as I was going through them, you know, you, you put the ones in this stack and the fives here and the tens there, and you just, you know how to do that. And just before it came time to count them, I picked up one of the fives and, and I held it up for Arash to see. That $5 bill was wrinkled. You could tell it had been crumpled. There was a corner torn off of it. And in fact, in the middle of the $5 bill, there were a couple of places where it was torn and on three sides, and it was rough tears. I don't know what happened. I don't know the story of it. I don't know how it got that way. I don't know who brought it, but I could tell that it hadn't just been to church, been to church, been to church. <laughs> and I, I knew the answer, but I asked Arash something along the lines of, is this still worth five? And of course, the banker sitting across the table from me, yeah, it's still worth five. No matter how roughed up you've been, no matter how many tears you've got in your past, no matter how crumpled up and wrinkled and mistreated, stepped on, no matter how deep in the mud that you've been buried. No matter how much of a zero you may feel like you are, all we've got to do to be a billion or part of that billion air is get that one at the front of the line. I don't know where you would be, where I would be in that line of all those zeros, but it really doesn't matter because the value of every one of those zeros is not determined by where it is. It's determined by what's at the head of the line. And the minimum is what? 
Jesus. If you'll put him at the head of your line. I believe I've got one more slide. You see, Jesus died for the zeros, too. I'm not preaching this morning to those who feel like they are on top of the world and they have great accomplishments. I'm preaching to you later when you've hit that low that you will. We all hit it. When you'd want to say, I'm not worth anything. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out and eat worms. I may be nothing, a placeholder, a zero, but I do have a place to hold. A link in the chain. We're given the story at the end of the Babylonian captivity. They were allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And all of the stories in the Bible are there for a reason. They're not zeros. They're not just place fillers. They're not just, they're links in the chain. You know, that's a zero too. But the story is that they've, they were allowed to take certain treasures back to Jerusalem. Gold, silver, plates, cups, snuffers, what, whatever it was. And one person couldn't take it all, so they, they distributed it among the people, distributed among a certain group of people, and what they did... <clears throat> pardon me, was as they gave them what they were to carry, what they were responsible for, they weighed it out to them, some kind of an inventory. And then when they got to Jerusalem, they took another inventory. They weighed it out in Babylon or in what became whatever geography of the Babylonian captivity they were in. And when they got to Jerusalem, they weighed it back in. They matched inventories. Folks, I may not be much. I may not be much of anything. I may be pretty close to right when I feel like that I've, I've, uh, I've just spun my wheels that somebody else could have done a better job. Nearly anybody else would have done a better job. But you see, I've got a responsibility. I've got a treasure to guard and to pass on. And when I do that, that's going to make me part of the 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. 
I don't know if you've ever done the math, but 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. That's how many are going to be singing around the throne. Besides thousands of thousands. Oh, what if it's an even number? What if we all count as zeros? What if there are 999,999,999 when you add one more everything else is zero but the worth is increased if you're here this morning and the devil's told you you're not worth anything God doesn't care about you You've gone too far, you've been too crumpled, you're too torn up, you're too messed up, you've been stomped on, you've been wrinkled, your folks are nothing, your history is nothing, your genealogy is nothing, you are nothing and nobody. No, you're part of the billion that's made worth, worthwhile by the one. Jesus died for zeros too. Whenever you get to feeling you're a zero, remember Jesus died for the zeros too. Jesus died for you. Nobody, you if you're great, if you're, if you're a nine, that one still makes you more valuable. Wherever you are in that line. I told you this was going to be strange this morning. I'm talking to those whenever it hits that you're down and you're feeling like God doesn't love me. How could he do how how could he reach for me? How could he care for me? I'm I've made such a mess of things. I've been such a terrible failure. Jesus died for the zeros too. Jesus died for me. He died for you. Here a while back, I was driving. I happened to look over. I saw someone walking down the, down the sidewalk that the best I could tell was probably homeless. They just had that aura about them, the way they were dressed, the way they were shuffling along, the way... My heart was touched. What a pitiful, pitiful situation they presented. And I heard the Lord speak to me, now not in an audible voice, just that impression that you get. That's the one I went to Calvary for. 
the mighty God of eternity, surrounded by the accolades of angels, sitting upon a throne in the midst of a, a rainbow. Looked at that one. I'm going to give up all of this. I'm going to trade the praises of angels for the curses and the spittle of mankind. I'm going to give up the perfect atmosphere for the cold of winter, the heat of summer. I'm going to give up a perfect environment for the dust and the rain and the storms. I'm going to give up eternity temporarily. Total comfort for nails and stripes and thorns for that homeless person. And if that were the only one, I'd still do it because that placeholder, that zero, that one is worth it. I wasn't homeless. I wasn't uneducated. I wasn't unloved. But he died for me. And if it had all been different, he would have still died for me. The stand. You knew when I went to Matthew chapter 1, we weren't going to run the aisles this morning. But we can run the streets of glory. Brother Moss, how do, I, how do I go from zero to a billion, being part of a billion? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'd hate to, I'd hate to describe that human condition of I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of him. You're not. Don't worry about that. I don't feel like I've accomplished much. Well, Time will tell. I don't feel, I don't, yeah, forget all of that. Jesus loves you. You may have been stomped on, you may have been torn, you may have been crumpled and wrinkled and rejected. Not look like much to a lot of folks. But if you'll repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you for what you've done wrong. Get baptized. We sang about it this morning. We were water baptized. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, wash away all of, that, all of the sin, all of the record of sin. Just make you clean, cleaner than a newborn babe, spiritually.
And then just open up and let God fill you with his spirit. Well, how will I know when that happens? Well, he'll announce his presence. He'll tell us, I'm here. I'm in this, I'm in this individual. I've, I've, I've taken up residence. I remember standing outside the, this way back, standing outside the delivery room. And I knew my children were here when I heard them cry. When we're born again, that's what I've just been describing. We'll cry out. We'll cry out. Hallelujah. Now you can come to the front and pray or you can pray where you are or whatever. But I want us to find a, a place where we can... Talk to the Lord this morning. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to repent, if you need to be baptized, come on, let's talk to the Lord. Even if you get to the place where you still feel like you're a zero, that, that zero's got a place. It's part of something bigger. It's part of something valuable because of Jesus. And if you don't need this this morning, file it away. Because one of these days, if you're human, there's a very good likelihood that you're going to spend some part of some day thinking, I haven't done anything, I, I can't do anything, everything I've done has been wrong. It's the wrong way, the wrong one, the wrong time, the wrong words, the wrong, the wrong, the wrong, the wrong. I'm nothing, I'm less than nothing. Oh God, help us this morning, oh Savior, to walk with you, to realize you love us, you love, even if we're zeros, you love us as zeros, oh God. And we're not zeros, we're we're worth more than all of this old world to you. All the gold in the hills doesn't come to the value of a single soul. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's pray one with another. Let's, let's seek the Lord, Jesus our Savior.